0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Outside Perspective. I am your host, Adam Meredith. If this is your first time joining, you are the shit. If you are a repeat listener, you know what the deal is. I love you guys. You're the bomb. Dealio. Um, this show is... My attempt to sit down with interesting humans all across the world, all across, from all walks of life, and uh, just to gain some perspective. So every week, twice a week, I'm sitting down with uh, some pretty interesting humans and just trying to gain some perspective. And you guys are here along for the ride. This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jombo Superfoods. Go over to Jombo CBD and check them out. They have a whole bunch of different products. They have balms, they have a ghee, they have sprays, they have drops, all your CBD needs. You may not know what CBD is. It's cannabidol one of many compounds found in the cannabis plant, and this particular cannabinoid has been shown to have quite a few different medicinal benefits. It's helping folks with digestion and mood regulation and sleep. There are a ton of anti-inflammatory properties as well as neuroprotective properties, so it helps your brain, it helps you sleep better, improves your mood, it helps with your digestion. So many benefits you know, with this compound, with this cannabinoid, uh, Within the cannabis plant, if you didn't know, we actually are designed to utilize this plant, the cannabis plant. We have a system that's already built into us. It's one of our, it's one of our first systems actually. It's the endocannabinoid system, and we have these receptors. These called CB1 and CB2, Um, and there are probably some other ones. I just don't know them off the top of my head. But we have these receptors that are designed for these cannabinoids for the many different cannabinoids within the cannabis plant and cbd is one of those cannabinoids that is gaining a lot of traction and getting a lot of attention and it's helping a lot of folks including myself i use it you know as a part of my daily protocol just for life And um, I know a lot of people are getting benefits. I think you will as well. So go check them out. Uh, Jombocbd.com. Use the code OUTSIDE at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your entire order. And I could be wrong, but I think they might still be doing their buy two, get one free. So put two in your cart and see if a third one pops up. Um, When you're checking out, one more time, put in the code OUTSIDE, and you will save 20% off of your entire order. Order so go over to Jumbo CBD today and check them out. All right, my guest today is Rick Dilly. Rick is uh, he's an entrepreneur. He is a photographer, a videographer. He is a creative. He's a hustler, man. Uh, Rick wears many hats. You know, he's been a DJ. He's been in sales. He has his own business. He's just doing a whole lot. He's a mover and a shaker and just actually met him this year and man, he's, he's been killing it. So I definitely wanted to sit down and catch up with him and see what's going on and, you know, shoot the shit. And we had a pretty fun conversation. Uh, so without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Rick Dilly. The fans will make the content for you, mm-hmm. right? Because, like with JRE, he'll just he'll make a video, and then fans will will chop that up for him. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh god, he's got the he's got the fucking he's got the deal going. Oh man, he's so got I, his soldiers out there working for him. I know, man. I know. That's that's the fucking. I feel like that's the pinnacle. That most people are trying to get to when it comes. Go, I think he's just shown like what's capable like with like the possibilities of like podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like that would have been realized if he didn't have somebody like him making who knows how much. But he like changes businesses as well. He like the Tim Tam comes to mind. I got that over there. Like, they fucking blew up their business overnight, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, it blows me away.
1: Are you? Are you? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Um, a few of them. I wouldn't say a lot. But yeah. uh strategically I listen to a few and it depends yeah. on the mood or mm-hmm. the time of day. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got a, a Joe Rogan or an Andy Frisella from the moment I wake up until the moment I clock in. Yeah. Just to get the juices flowing in the right positive direction mentally. Yeah. Whether it's like something deep that Rogan would go into, it yeah. could be, you know, uh, a Neil deGrasse situation. Yeah. Or I've got, you know, Andy Frisella screaming in my face.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just has a good catalyst to the day. Yeah.
1: It's better yeah. than uh scrolling through facebook and agreed yeah it's yeah that's not, not a good way to start a day
0: i agree i agree and when you're when you're actually like you know because you're a creative and you create and you do things like you run your business like you're a busy fucking dude you're involved with like several different things when you're doing all of that you don't have time to sit there and consume you know what no. i mean like who has the time i found since i'm doing more i don't have as much time to listen to as many podcasts and uh, so you really have to like pick and choose and kind of cherry pick what you're listening to
1: yeah because i i find myself on social a lot yeah but it's for all business purposes right and so like when there's you know breaking news or something happens and somebody will be like oh did you hear about that earlier today and it's like well no i didn't but i've still been on social all day long but that's because i'm managing two dozen yeah accounts it's different for clients it's work right Like, like somebody else will will get bored when they're out in public and they're automatically whipping out their phone and just scrolling through their feed yeah but me i feel like i'm whipping out my phone and i'm posting or i'm creating a meme for a client right or i'm looking at what the trending hashtags are so because i have a post coming up in an hour right it's all business related
0: right yeah or engagement's important too i mean sometimes mm-hmm. you got to go make comments and like on some things like right. it's just all a part of the beast bro yep. the beast of social we learn a hell of a time um, it's funny that you mentioned. well, not funny. Cause we've talked about Andy before, but I'm doing a 75 hard program. Mm-hmm. I saw that dude. It is something <laughs> else. I think today's day, uh, 16. I think today's day 16 Wednesday. Yeah. So day 6 you're deep. Yeah, I man. I'm you're getting, the, I mean, it's not very deep though. I mean, 75, I mean, so I'm like a seventh of the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. But 16, I mean, that's a good, you know, they, it's like, it's like smoking. Once you get over that first hump. Yeah. You know, when you're quitting smoking, once you get over that first hump, you, as long as you stick to it, you've. You've either got the discipline or you don't. Right. I'm, I'm self-aware to know that when he started that, I was going to, and I was like, "No, I'm not ready yet." Dude, so ditto. I just didn't do it. Ditto. You know.
0: Yeah, I think I tried and failed like half assed probably like five or six times. Like, all right, today's gonna be the day, and I didn't do it, and I didn't. I just, I just wasn't mentally like there. And then um, I knew it was gonna be like a lot of alcohol for like the fourth, and just different things over the summer. So I'm like, all right. The 4th is it, though. Like, after the 4th of July, like, I'm fucking done, man. So, mm-hmm. like, that's whenever I just, I just I just mentally commit. And I'm like, all right, here we are. And um, it wasn't too – I mean, it, it's hard to, like, kind of get in the swing of things. But it was – for me, I, I need that kind of structure. Like, I need to say, like, I need these hard and fast rules to live my life by. Because otherwise, like, I just, shit would just go off the rail. <laughs> 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 like, whenever I was fighting – I was like, "All right, I have a fight in eight weeks. I cannot fuck this up because if I don't make weight, then every like it's gonna look bad on me. Looks, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just whole cascading things, and I didn't want that, that negative attention. So like it kept me in line. But now there's like no negative attention. It's just nobody knows if you don't <laughs> do it except for you. <laughs> right. So it can it's it's man like you got to fucking commit, bro. Yeah, yeah, dude.
1: I've I've been up and down the roller coaster. So you know, growing up, I was always the skinny kid. Yeah. You know, in high school, I was the one at 15 years old, I'm pounding protein shakes in the morning to try and put weight on. Okay. And then kids happened. <laughs> and it was like, it became easy to be the big guy. Yeah. And then, you know, I had, I had, uh, I tore my ACL on both knees at different times. And oh, shit. How'd you focusing, do that? Focusing, uh, martial arts. Martial arts. Yeah. Focusing on the business. Um, two, three weeks could go by and you're like, oh, shit, I haven't been to the gym yeah. in a while, you know? So, uh, I, I, Used to put a lot of pressure and stress on myself, but uh, yeah. one of one of my business mentors kind of taught me, you know, to build your pillars. You know, you've got your finances, your family, your your religion, your health and fitness, and you have these different pillars, and you're all at, you're at different levels on each pillar, and that's how you can like kind of uh, not judge, but kind of uh, track. The success, what you would call your own success, yeah. And so right now, the health and fitness is definitely not my focus. <laughs> it's it's yeah. the it's all the kids in sports getting ready to go back in school. Yeah, you know, doing the doing the dad thing. I've got uh, one kid going in eighth grade, one going into high school. Oh man, um, one just came out of kindergarten. So it's all over the place. Yeah. So I've got that, and also, you know, I'm at the point where I'm really pushing to scale my business. Mm-hmm. So it's like when I get up in the morning, I go right into business instead of choosing. To go get that six thirty a.m. jujitsu class. Yeah. Um, Even though I fell in love with jujitsu, I I know myself enough to know that I don't have the mental capacity to give it the attention that it deserves.
0: Yeah. Yet. Yeah, man. I um I don't do the six a.m. jujitsu anymore either. I dude. So I was waking up and I wanted to like just get right into work and start, but I found um. I operate best with like a solid, uh, like a solid uh, routine in the morning for like self care, and then and then it just just fucking rocket fuel for the rest of the day. So like for me, that's what's so great about seventy five hard because like whenever I was fighting, I usually like wake up and I go do a run or some sort of workout in the morning, and there are just so many benefits. Like working out in the morning helps reset your cortisol levels and suppress melatonin, just different things like that. So like you're you're waking up and you're, you're like. You're just you're just getting going. So for me, the 75 heart is pretty cool because it's essentially just putting into place like a solid morning routine for me because like I'm getting up and. I know that I have to go get one workout in outside, so I go do that first thing in the morning. So whether I don't and it's, it's also kind of cool because I don't it doesn't matter what the weather's gonna be like, like mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Like mm-hmm. the other day it was fucking flooding out, dude. <laughs> I was running through this <laughs> neighborhood and at the bottom of a hill there was all this water just kind of pulled up like the drain couldn't take it fast enough. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I couldn't really go around it. I mean I had to like run through somebody's yard. I'm like, whatever, I'll just go through it. I thought it was just gonna be like maybe to my ankles. Bro, I got through that, it was almost like up to to my ass it was <laughs> like I have long legs I'm not a short dude so you um, went swimming on your morning run a little bit a <laughs> little bit but um but just the morning routine portion of that I found it just I whenever I wasn't doing it and it's like when you're not doing something it's easy to like keep not doing it you know what I mean like mm-hmm. mentally you'll tell yourself like oh if you do that you'll probably be more tired too, and you won't be able to get this other thing done but uh, what I found is um, and I, and I, it actually took me like not doing it for a little bit to realize that like whenever I get up and I do that exercise in the morning and like I get that movement, it actually gives me more energy for the rest of the day. And I have... Better mental clarity and uh, I don't know man it's pretty, like I just feel like a good like self-care practice in the morning is just so vital as opposed to like hopping like right on like a screen or mm-hmm. something and getting right to work, which I don't know there actually might be I feel like there's probably a study or something on this I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but anecdotally it fucking works for me
1: yeah and, and I've, I've been up and down on that roller coaster yeah I, I, uh, I had a stint, I'd say over the course of about eight months. Yeah, I went from 270 to 215, almost back down to fighting weight. Yeah, and it was it was because of morning routines and and constant constant uh, work ethic on the fitness part. But I also had people holding me accountable. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, when I transitioned away from that, all I had was myself. Right, and then everything else in my world became a priority. And my, taking Except care of you. myself became last priority.
0: Yeah. And we all do that. I think mm-hmm. it's so interesting how we do that. Um, like, the number one thing that we all have is our health. Yeah, it's always the first thing on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we take care of everybody else before we take care of ourselves. And that's super, um, I feel like I've noticed it's, it's pretty common of, uh, I want to say, like, I don't know what the right word to say. I want to say high achievers, but it's obviously not all high achievers, but, like, you see it a lot in people in business, especially high-achieving you know, yeah, high ones especially, right? Because as people grow their business and they have employees and they have people around them, like you have a team. Even if it's just like a small team, like you're worried about them, right? And then they like, say so you have kids, so then you start worrying about your kids. And then you just start worrying about everybody around you winning except for yourself. Well, like you're still winning, but just like not in that area. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. I've just noticed that trend. Um Gary V used to talk about that a lot. Do you follow him much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. But uh so how was your uh how was your trip? It was good. Yeah. Um it was probably the longest
1: production tour to date that I've done. Yeah. How um, long was
0: it? Two weeks? Three
1: three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Whoa, where'd you go? I was in uh I think a total of a total of eight different cities locations. Um, for all different reasons but it, it's kind of playing into the long-term goal of like video courses and writing books on like how to be good at photography but also like make a business out of it yeah you know so the long-term goals is is the the video courses uh it's called businessography okay how that's to try, cool how to turn your passion into a profit nice. i actually started in sales and then i picked up a camera but oh. most of the guys that i bring onto my team as freelancers they're really creative and really awesome but they can't land a gig to save their life yeah um so that's the that's the umbrella that i build with those guys yeah you see see that a
0: lot with probably creatives
1: coming up and not not coming from a lot of money you know i didn't travel i didn't get on a plane for the first time until my honeymoon at 21 Hmm. you know so wanting to travel was always a big deal Mm -hmm. so then it was uh there was this formula that i that i kind of built it wasn't it wasn't a new idea by any means, um, but it was basically you know how to work Haitian. So as a photographer and videographer specifically, you can you can hit up some villa in a cool you know vacation spot and, yeah. and say hey here's my work. I'm gonna come stay at your place for five days. And you're going to pay me only half of what I would normally charge to make content for you so that you can put it on your website and then get more business.
0: Yeah, vagabond. And if you
1: deliver, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So instead of going to a place and spending $2,000 on a vacation, you can get that same vacation. And as a creative, you're going to take pictures anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're going to go on vacation, but instead of dropping two grand, you're going to come home with four. Yeah. So it's a how-to-work Haitian kind of thing.
0: Dude, my brother and his wife are doing that. They're actually hosting a retreat in Jamaica right at this uh this little resort there and uh they simply just you know reach out to them i mean the resort already has like everything in place and they're essentially just going to be like hosting some classes and doing some promo and boom they just got i think they have to pay for their travel but like stays for free and then mm-hmm. they can make money on like anything that they sell or anything like that so it was just a simple email and ask yeah, yeah <laughs> it's not it's not
1: difficult at all i did
0: Seven days in Costa
1: Rica. Oh, dude. Um, I did five days in Puerto Rico. We did a Napa Valley trip, and then I've done a bunch of like little small things since then. This past uh, production trip, it's the closest thing I can get to being a rock star, because I've never been good at like instruments, <laughs> other than like DJing. Yeah. I've been a mobile DJ. Um, oh, nice. For like 19 years. Oh, for real? So, so I can mix a beat like nobody else. But I've tried guitar, I've tried piano. It just, and it never just not it for you. It, it just didn't happen. Yeah, I'm like so, that. With but I'm really issues. good behind a camera. So yeah. I was like, all right, I, I want a tour. I want to travel. I want to make money traveling. So I'd put together these little production tours, and I used kind of the formula that I learned through my days of being a booking manager for mm-hmm. record labels and management companies for actual bands. Yeah. And I just applied it to the photography business. Good move. So I went to, I went to Lusterville, Missouri. Um, for some campgrounds, Mark Twain Forest. There's a little cottage place that rents out cabins down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed there for free and enjoyed that amazingness. Yeah, I beautiful. I just made some photo and video for them, and yeah. you know, blew up their business. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Buren, Missouri, with the the big natural springs. Where's that at? Uh, it's about two and a half to three hours south. South? Okay, yeah. that's what I was thinking. So like, do you know where, if you know where Lusterville is, it's down by like Steelville where they do, mm. like it's on the Black River, they River. do all the campgrounds I used to go camping
0: stuff. on Black River every year growing up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my jam.
1: <laughs> Van Buren's like another hour and a half south of that. Oh, uh, okay. Um, then I was in uh, Emory, Texas, just east of Dallas. Okay. Did some uh, studio building and, and uh, marketing strategies for mm-hmm. a bulldog breeder. That's cool. Uh, so that was fun. And then I went from there to Nashville um to do some stuff with my business mentor ask a millionaire Sean Thomas Sean um, Thomas left Nashville with one of my guys and went to um Syracuse New York and then from there drove to Clayton New York Thousand Islands okay and uh spent a few days doing speed boats it was a fun run for make a wish i saw some of that work here in Man, boston it was so much fun that it, it was it was the first time i went 150 in a speedboat on the water
0: dude i just went on the first boat ever just like a few weeks ago whenever i was in florida like i've never been like on a boat with a motor in the back i've done like paddle boats and canoeing mm-hmm. and kayaking but i've never been on like a speed boat before yeah. And uh, and this wasn't even, like, a legit-ass, like, speedboat like you were on.
1: <laughs> well, they've got what they call center consoles, which is, like, a, it almost looks like a really small yacht. It's mm-hmm. got, like, that, that overhead piece. Yeah. But even, they, I mean, they go 50, 60 miles an hour. Yeah. And that's that's fast when the wind's in your face. Oh,
0: no, it is. You yeah, know? absolutely. I don't know how fast this boat went on. It was probably about that, though, mm-hmm. 40, 50. But I'm thinking. You say you went 150 miles an hour on one of those boats. Yeah,
1: dude, those things are intense. Bro. So I have I have a small drone, Ma- mm-hmm. uh, DJ Mavic. Yep. Mavic Pro. And so there's shots where you can fly the drone, but you know it's got the the three axis gimbal. So there's also times where I'm just holding it mm-hmm. and you know getting getting your ste- shots. Steady cam type shots. Yeah, so it I'm stabilizes. in a speedboat at 150 with a death grip on this drone, like, holding it up. I'd be so scared the wind catch that shit.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: it, <laughs> it would have had to have taken me. Like, I, I had a grip on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like, I have my feet planted. I'm in the back. I have my feet planted up against the seats. Yeah. I've got the remote, and my phone in this hand is the monitor. <laughs> I'm, like, trying
0: to film with the drone. Uh, my, my face is, like, flapping in the wind. <laughs> Look like a dog with like the out out the uh, yeah. hanging out the door. Yeah, that's funny, man. Anything for the shot though, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Man, we got some great, great footage, and it was awesome. Actually, it it went so well that we got to Sunday, which was supposed to be like a a makeup day. hmm So it's supposed to rain. It didn't rain at all. So we got to Sunday, and there was nothing to shoot. We had it all done. So I went ahead and wrote up a quick package for for them to plug into their. Um, uh, what do you call it? Auction. Okay. So they actually auctioned off to all of the the boat owners and people in the run a like boat feature promo video. Oh. And so, so, I, so you I would forget. feature that person who won it. Yeah. So I forget how much they auctioned it off for, but somebody won and I went out on the water with them for like an hour on Sunday mm-hmm. and made this whole like feature video for them and their boat. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being somebody that didn't have a team. It was just like him and his dad. And he had just recently gotten the boat, so ah. it was like the first big thing. That's cool. So it turned into, you know, we, we made this, like, not only did the, the money in the auction go to the go to Make-A-Wish charity, but now this guy who just has his, had, a, had his boat uh, purchased, he's got this, like, priceless piece of video mm-hmm. where it's like a pro, a music video of him and his dad out on Thousand Islands chilling in the speedboat. That's dope. It's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. You know, 10, 15 years from now, it's going to be the most priceless thing he owns. Dude, that's dope.
0: Yeah, it's so amazing what you can do with the camera. Just, I mean, like I said, in an hour you created something that's gonna last forever. Like it really means something to that dude for sure. Yeah. How long was the video? Uh, For that one? Yeah. Uh, Forty-five seconds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's legit. Mm-hmm. That's people don't realize like how much content you have to record just for like a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Like it takes. A I,
1: I sent him a bunch of extra stuff, like individual fifteen-second clips of just like epic shots and yeah. There was like behind-the-scenes pictures that I took of him and his dad while they were driving. Yeah, you know, just it was it was a whole experience mm-hmm. on top of the final product. Right. So that's that's what I'm all about. Like just creating awesomeness for other people. Yeah, creating that experience. I've I've been in the wedding industry forever. So, you know, pictures and video is the thing that you take with you mm-hmm. after a wedding. So yeah. like creating positivity
0: for for legacy mm-hmm. is is kind of where it's at. Yeah, you well, know? you're you're telling visual stories, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's definitely it's one of those things that um uh I don't know if it's, it's not underappreciated, but it's definitely becoming, I think, more and more appreciated, like, the more digital our society is becoming, because we're able to, ca- everybody has a phone and a camera and can capture things, but not everybody can do it well, right? Right. So, like, whenever you see it done well, it's like, man, like, that's some pretty special shit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so, how did you get started into it, then? I mean, sales was your background, I mean, you did martial arts beforehand, like where where did this like creative, you know, energy I, come? I had
1: always wanted to be a photographer, mm-hmm. but never had the means to buy a camera. And, you know, we had beepers and flip phones <laughs> back in the day. Right. So it just, it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a mobile DJ at the time and a friend of mine was like, Hey, I got, I got this job at glamour shots in the mall. And I'm the guy that stands out in the mall and lures people into glamour shots for the business. Because, you know, he was a mobile DJ, super outgoing, Mm -hmm. easy to talk to people. Hand out flyers and shit. Yeah. yeah. He was that guy. And he was like, man, they're, they're hiring. It's an easy job. You should come in. And I was like, I don't know anything about photography. I've never touched a camera, but I want to. Yeah. So I was like. Fuck it, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I did the interview and talked my way through it enough to where I got to the second half of the interview, which is let's go back to the studio. Angela was her name, the manager. I'll never forget it. She's like, let's go back to the studio, take some pictures. We'll, you know, we'll we'll see see what's up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went. It was like uh, a studio setup, like glamour shots, but same as like JCPenney. Like, right, everything is set. There's the set. There's the lights. You know, just pick your camera up. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna assume that everything's good with this camera. So it took me a second to find the on button, <laughs> but I turned it on and I just focused on making the subject in the photo have a good time. The pictures were secondary. And that was like an instant thing, but that's that was that was the launch. Yeah. So the pictures ended up being shit, but I got hired because I created I was able to like be comfortable and create a good experience for the model. Yeah, that's important. It was crazy, and so I got hired, and uh, uh, Angela introduced me to the owner, Rod, and he immediately saw through my bullshit, and he was like, okay, well, you don't know shit about photography, but I'm going to teach you, and so that was really my first step forward into, okay, you know, because I don't have an hour of college under my belt with everything that I've ever done.
2: Oh, Good for you. But that
1: was the first step in, okay, well, I'm just going to, if there's something I want to do, I'm just going to find someone who's doing that well. Yeah. And sponge off of them. Learn from them. Make, be, become a mentee. That's a good way to go. Of, of them. So, so mentors,
0: is always, have Like that's always been like a big part of your life.
1: 100%. And yeah. I, I'm a on-the-job, training, learn-by-doing kind of guy anyway. Yeah. Um, I can't learn anything out of a book. <laughs> you know, give me a video or just do it, and yeah. I'll – I'll, do it right when you're done
0: yeah i found like i can listen to somebody and like or i can even read it and i, I can somewhat comprehend it but it do, if, if it's like it's something that i actually like have to physically do i just need to do it mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if you show it to me like it's it does it just doesn't register as important until i'm physically doing it right i always contributed
1: that to martial arts you know cause I've, mm-hmm. I've been in martial arts since 11 so it's like doing it and ha- getting that like muscle memory and, and learning by watching and then repeating right. was always kind of ingrained into me. So I feel like that's that's where it came from.
2: Yeah, it's
0: a very natural way to learn. Um, you know, just to as a kid, we just we tend to do what we see, right? Um, so your first martial art was that karate, taekwondo, taekwondo.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I I don't know what the uh, the official classification would be. Yeah. Um, but you All know good. the lineage was. Direct from uh, Junri, I don't know which was, is. I guess, the guy who initially brought it over to America. Oh, really? Oh, that's dope. So we we were part of uh, a studio where it was very traditional. Mm-hmm. Like our sparring sessions were full contact kickboxing. We never did point sparring. Um, anybody from our studio that would go to competitions, if it if it was for kata, we would do like regular Taekwondo tournaments. Okay, but we would never like spar in taekwondo tournaments because we never did point sparring so all of our guys would always be the ones getting disqualified <laughs> uh, i went in as an orange belt for taekwondo but because of the guys that i was running with i got disqualified for hitting the guy in the face instead of on the pad on the on the head pad oh. so from that moment forward it was all full contact kickboxing okay um, you're like and this stuff is yeah. soft i need yeah. something tougher it, it definitely wasn't uh, – we would always say it's not the Taekwondo. Like we never did that in class. <laughs> you know? So I, I feel fortunate in that because once that progressed into uh, Kenpo um, and then kickboxing, a, a big focus on boxing because I was the skinny kid. I, I knew how to throw flashy kicks. Yeah. But I didn't know how to throw a punch. So I pulled the guys at the gym that were already doing Golden Gloves and was like, okay, I'm not kicking for the next six months. And I would go through ranks where nothing nothing in the sparring classes had anything to do with legs. That's hard uh, to do. Until it got to the point where I was like, All right, I'm really good with my hands. Yeah. And then it was like well rounded.
0: Yeah. That's tough to do to put yourself in like that uncomfortable situation and try to get better i remember whenever i started because i came from like a wrestling background whenever i started striking i felt like i was never going to get better but like logically i told myself like it's impossible to suck forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) like eventually you have to get better right it feels like you never will though
1: yeah it's uh and and if if you're not constantly pushing yourself you get comfortable yeah one of one of my uh one of my mentors tom black he it's not his direct quote, but he says it a lot, so I I contribute it to him. That works. Uh, he says, "Success is nothing more than a progressive realization of a worthwhile goal or dream." Hmm, that's good. So that means you don't have to be naturally talented at it; you just have to progressively get better, right? And you can do that with anything, right? So
0: yeah, you really can. That's that's a really great way uh, of looking at it. Yeah, that's an important lesson to learn. Not everybody learns that lesson. You know, some people they just feel like. um, uh, and I don't know if it's just the difference between, like, a growth mindset and scarcity mindset. You know what I mean? They just feel like, you you're just either born with it or you aren't. Oh, it must be nice. It must be – you're lucky. Mm-hmm. This shit gets on my nerves, dude. Yeah. But uh, where do you think you developed that? Was that kind of developed early on through martial arts? Or is there, is there anything you can pinpoint that you're like, oh, okay, like it made sense to you?
1: I think uh, before martial arts – martial arts had a big, big factor because I started when I was 11. Mm-hmm and got uh got black belt at, at sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um and it was my life from from in that time period. Um my my instructor, my sensei was basically my number one father figure. He was my best friend's dad that lived across the street. Okay. Um they moved in across the street when I was eleven and it only took like four times of my friend having to leave our play fort yeah. to go with his dad for me to go, where are they going? Oh, they're going to the studio. What studio? Karate. I want to learn karate. Yeah. And then it was all over from there.
2: Yeah. The rest but, is you know,
1: uh, just like anybody else, I I had a not so great childhood. So I was forced to grow up real quick um, from like four. Mm. So and I and I have a younger brother that's four years younger than me. So oh, wow. I grew up quick. You know, I was the man of the house from a very early age. So mm. being forced into that, you have to be responsible. You either you figure it out or. Life sucks. Yeah. Um, and I've never wanted life to suck. So it's always been like, you know, at 14, if you want that new Sega Genesis, go cut a bunch of gra- of
0: lawns. Right. To make the money and go get it. Right. Know? Yeah, 100%. I started my first lawn business whenever I was probably 12 or th- maybe like 13. I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. My best friend and I, anytime if it snowed, we were out knocking on doors, see if we could shovel people's driveways, cutting grass. We like competing against each other for cutting grass. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I understand that mentality for sure. Like if you want something, you got to go out and get it. Oh, man. And
1: I, I feel like I'm in a cool spot now because, you know, my oldest is, is 14. Mm-hmm. He's, he's starting high school. And so he just kind of got into the, oh, I'm going to see if neighbors want me to cut their grass. And yeah. I want to buy this new PS1 or whatever, Xbox One. I guess Xbox One. That's what it's. That, that's what it is.
0: Sure, dude. Yeah, PS4. I think is a little. But
1: uh, out of default, you know, his mom's a photographer. Also. Oh really? Um, Part time. I, I don't know what she does full time. But uh, I mean, we we've she's been a photographer longer than me, if 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 I remember. So he's by default been picking it up, and he actually took some classes in school last year. So I'm I'm help without pushing him. I'm trying to help him to that realization of the pictures that you've already taken. Let me show you how you can go on iStock photo and sell them evergreen and make the same amount, if not more, money than you'll make in a weekend cutting
0: grass for your neighbors. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, people buy stock photos. Mm-hmm. Dude, do you are or actually are you going to um, try to steer them towards college at all? So here's here's my long-term, short-term goals.
1: So I've got five boys, right, from first grade to ninth grade. Yeah. Um, and forever, I've always told everybody I'll be, I'll be a a millionaire slash financially independent by the time I'm 45, but I got rid of the 45 and I just said, by the time my oldest son graduates, so I've got four years to go to get to the point where when he's ready to graduate, I'll be able to say, okay, whether it's starting your own business or going to college, I'm going to fund that. And hopefully my influence will be more towards, okay, well, I want college for this, Specific purpose and or starting a business.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you worry that um, doing something like that would like hinder him because like he's missing the struggle? I don't think so. I don't think so because I'm I'm not
1: easy on him. Yeah. Everything gets earned. Yeah. So you're Uh, teaching him before that. yeah, Yeah. If nothing else, it'll just be a little more easy in the sense that he'll have that support. Yeah. But it won't be a spoiled, yeah, type of situation.
0: Well, now that I'm thinking about it, it's definitely different whenever they see like the come up and they see the mm-hmm. struggle, right? I can remember talking to some kids like and like whenever I was younger. I feel like I kind of grew up in a, I think I grew up around like mostly scarcity mindseted people, like very like my grandmother, who. Um, Was was one of the most influential people like growing up I grew up on like a dirt road like in a farm like outside of Potosi, Missouri, man like Potosi only had 1,200 people or 20 20, people or whatever it was and um, Like I grew up like outside of that like for the most part like on a fucking farm on a dirt road for real But I can like sometimes like now that I'm older I look back on certain things um, Like being around my grandmother and I realized like man I was around a lot of like scarcity like mindset And, like, um, but, so, whenever I would see kids that, like, were, like, super well off, like, I, I didn't, like, have this idea, like, oh, like, well, how can I also do that? I was always, like, oh, that must be nice. Oh, dude, your parents are rich, man. You don't have to worry about anything. Like, I was that little kind of shithead kid. And I remember one kid, one time, he was just, like, dude, he's, like, yeah, he's, like, my dad's, like, a, I think he was, like, a brain surgeon or something. He's, like, yeah, he is, but, like... He's like, there's a lot of money like that goes with that as far as like expenses. And like he wasn't saying in those words, but he's like he's like, We're not as rich as you think is basically was his point. And um so it made me think like when kids fucking like they grow up in an environment and like they see their parents like struggle and put in the work and then they hit it off big. Like to the outside, it's always that, you know, you made it overnight, but they don't see all the work that puts in. Mm-hmm. I think when a kid actually sees that, even though they are reaping the benefits on the end, I think them seeing that struggle like throughout that process, I think that's just such a huge life lesson for them. Yeah, big yeah. time.
1: And, and I go overboard with that. Like I'm, I'm about a year deep into – I would call it a 5-year plan of writing a book called How to Make a Millionaire. And that's not me making myself a millionaire, that's me as a parent going through the long-term process of creating millionaire millionaires in my children. Right. And so it's fun now because I've I've kind of done it for multiple reasons, but you know, let's say I've got my kids on a Saturday and you know, we've got plans to do this and that. It, there's always business that needs to be done yeah so instead of like having that internal battle and work-life balance I just include them in on it right like hey guys hey guys this inquiry just came through the website help me write this sales email yeah uh-huh, nice like they'll literally like help me do those things yeah from from start to you know we're on our way to the movies and it's ding 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 here's the PayPal notification remember all that work we did this morning? Here's the real world result of that. And now guess what? We get to go do video games for an hour before the movie because we earned it. Nice. And it's that process is starting to become normal. Yeah. And so that the work-life balance stuff isn't even a factor, but also like it's ingraining in them that 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 work ethic
0: right you know yeah that's super important i feel Um, dude i got the kids in the back right now as we're podcasting like they're just back there chilling right now and then after this i have to go train a client they're going to come with me to go do that it's Mm -hmm. just just it's just a part of life man um i always like to say like work is a thing that you get to do not a place you have to go because Mm -hmm. so many people are oh i gotta go to work and like they just dread going to work and i understand i definitely understand that because i've been there like i've worked that corporate nine to five and was super miserable through that time. Um, but if you just kinda like change your mindset and then also I realized like as I started doing my own thing that like work is like you're just always working. It doesn't really feel like it. Like we were talking about being on social. Mm -hmm. Um, like you're making posts and you're doing things. Like that's work. Some people may not view that as work, but like that is work. Like I don't or if you're going to have a dinner like going have dinner with a client or something. That's work. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's just in a different capacity, and it's not confined to these four walls. Mm-hmm. Like you're always working, but I don't ever really even view it as work anymore. It's just I'm just I'm just life. <laughs>
1: yeah, I forget who said it, but in a podcast recently, somebody referred to entrepreneurship as four dimensional, meaning meaning um, there's there's different uh, like time and space. Mm-hmm. It's not just this. It's like within two dimensional fort- service. It's not this three dimensional thing. Yeah. It's literally like in my head, I know that there's something going on over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It's more than what we're saying,
1: especially because,
0: you know, I can go anywhere and from start to finish, I can work from my phone. Dude, your phone is, is easier now than it's ever been. It's more easy now than it's ever been like to start a business mm-hmm. and to get attention. We live in a time where it's, man, attention pays a lot of money. How do you struggle with that? Do you struggle with that? I do. <laughs> I struggle and with it. I,
1: I try and or, I try and organize it. So in, in certain aspects, you know, I'm because of you know being a, a film producer and a, and a video editor, you have to be super organized. Right. Um, o C D at sometimes, anal retentive, detail oriented. So I try and almost compartmentalize it. But if if you it's like anything, you know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> or like Will Smith says, you you build the greatest wall one brick at a time yeah i've got over a dozen clients whose social media accounts i manage and run and that's creating the content creating the meme writing the copy posting it uh, researching almost every day what the trending hashtags are and what time of day is best to post for 12 businesses Yeah, but what level of frequency are
0: you posting for each of these is it is it very a
1: couple times a couple times a day, depending on you know depending on if they're pushing something or not. Yeah. Sometimes it's for engagement, sometimes it's for a call to action. But there's two big elements to that, and that's preparation and organization. Yeah. And delegation.
0: Yeah, okay. So you're not creating all this content so long, yeah, right? I'm not by okay. myself in this. Okay, I was going to say, dude, yeah. that's fucking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're and superhuman, bro. i say 12 accounts creating the content and posting it. Like, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be like this during the podcast it's if your, that were it's the case. Yeah, your whole life. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, I've, I've built, I've spent enough time doing production, photography, videography, and then also like the, the business side of it, the social media marketing and. And all of the analytics, I've done that long enough to where I've matched it with my other top skill, which is training and leading a group. So this this last company that I started, uh, January twenty eighteen, Convergence, Convergence Media Group. Yeah. I did that on purpose because it's more of an umbrella. It's it's a group of creative professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a group of freelancers. I'm the only full time employee for Convergence, but I've got two and a half dozen guys and girls on the team oh nice um, nashville chicago kansas city uh just depending on what type of media needs to be produced is that that's determined by you know who i who i delegate
0: it to oh, okay so you're getting business in all these different areas and then you're dispersing that out to your contractors Mm-hmm. so you know i'll get a most Most of my clientele small businesses that want to either grow engagement or get leads and sales right you have uh, a lot of ties in Nashville right mm-hmm. right so let's just say like you get like a business or you get like a contract in Nashville with a small business and they need some content produced, but like you're not able to get down there is that like a situation where you contact maybe one of your yep. people down there they they go get with that business, get some content, shoot that back to you, and then you're gonna handle the distribution of that for their site
1: yeah um just recently I started getting to the point where I can book the client and then have like a, like a zoom video conference Zoom's changing shit with everyone involved. So I've got the, the guy that's going to do the copywriting and kind of run the posting on social media. The guy that's going to go to the site in Nashville and and get the content. Mm -hmm. The guy that's going to edit the video, um, the voiceover talent. I get everybody on that one call Mm kind of like the coach before the game. And then everybody just keeps me posted according to whatever job yeah. duties they're doing along the way. Yeah. In a perfect scenario, when it all happens right, my job is to be the contact for the client. Right. And, you know, hey, this is good. Deadline's been met. Here's the deliverables.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you've you taken yourself out of, you know, in that, in that scenario, like you've taken yourself out of like actually – um, like doing the operational things and now you're like, you're handling the clients and you're doing more of like the, uh, the producer role. Yeah. It's just, yeah, we all have a role, right? You can't do it all. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. It's so hard to build a team. Um, that's the hardest part. It's it, the biggest growing pain because there's so much time
1: and money yeah, that goes into it, you know, to find the right people, first of all, and then train them for whatever you need to train them for and then, and then keep them. Yeah. You know? Too many times you you're dumping money into people that just don't work out, mm-hmm. or good people that don't stick around because they you know they find a better thing right. to do. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a constant struggle with investment.
0: Yeah, man. Because not like I said, not everybody's gonna stick around, and yeah, I don't know. It's like how do you how do you manage that? that that turnover rate because you want to at least keep people i guess you can't expect people to always be there like forever right especially if you if you have good people Mm -hmm. and then i mean because you've been a mentor under people and i'm sure they didn't expect you to stay with them forever right right? but it's man that's that's definitely a tough balance to to fucking deal with i don't have a team of people (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what it's like
1: it'll get there though the the biggest the biggest thing about uh this podcast is the content yeah. Like you're putting 100% focus on the content so that, and obviously the audio, the content and the audio quality, those are the first two steps and those, that's what you have. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, it, it could be, it doesn't matter that there's even a video. It could just be the logo with the audio
0: podcast. I did that too.
1: But the content is so compelling that it's keeping, it's keeping the viewer or, yeah. or the listener yeah, and it, and it'll
0: easily grow from there. Yeah, man. But. As you grow, things get more more complicated. More money, more problems. <laughs> more money, more problems. Biggie <laughs> had it right, dude. <laughs> I don't know those problems just yet, though. Um, I'm trying to solve that piece of the puzzle. So we were talking about how, you know, the, the different pillars, right? So many people, um, they only focus on, like, one pillar or the other. You know what I mean? And, like... You see it all the time. People figure out like that money piece. Like That's what I'm trying to figure out. And I'm trying to figure out that money situation, like that money piece. Because like, I feel like once you figure out that money piece, like it buys a lot of freedom. Like you own your own time. Like you mm-hmm. have all this different freedom. And um, I think where people fuck up is whenever they focus on the money and then they don't focus on these other areas of their life, right? Like that's why you see all these affluent, wealthy people committing suicide and they're super depressed because they don't have all these other areas of their life in order. Right. Yeah.
1: Or they have to dump a bunch of money into it because they're just completely lonely and sad. Yeah. Because they neglected all of the other pillars. Yeah. Or they get all this money and then they get colon cancer. <laughs> Dude, it happens. Or, or something like that. It happens so all the time. Man. You can't neglect a pillar. But at different times of your life, depending on what's important, you can always change priorities of what those pillars are.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like I have all these other pillars kind of in line. I just need to get that money one too. hmm Buy that fucking freedom, bro. Mm-hmm. Buy that freedom. Yeah, so I was asking earlier about the um the college thing because – when you answered it because you were saying that uh, you're going to pay for college or business for your sons. Because, um, dude, I feel like in today's society, we push so many kids to, to college. And I think maybe like my generation was kind of on the – I saw a meme talking about this. Like we're in this weird spot, my generation personally, where like we're all being like force-fed college mm-hmm. where – um it's like right on the tail end of uh, like people realizing that like college may not be the answer but like uh like my generation was like well college is the answer and then so we all went and got our degree we thought like we worked hard and we got our degree then life's, then gonna, life's <laughs> gonna be great right like you're gonna have this awesome corporate job and yeah. be killing it but then like i quickly realized like Dude, that's not the fucking path necessarily like there's a whole bunch of other paths like sure that is a way but it's not the only way right there's a lot of different ways to make it and as a result like now i just have all these student loan debts i'm just like what the fuck for man <laughs> Like, <laughs> was he i could have just went into business yeah. or done anything like both of my little brothers like they haven't went to college and the one just graduated. he's 19 now he just graduated last year i'm like dude just like if you don't know what you want to do yet take some time, chill out, like mm-hmm. work, save some money, like figure it out. Like you don't have to go f- like put yourself in debt to figure it out, which right. a lot of kids do like, and I did. And like, um, it's just, I just feel like it's just not the only way. There's just so many different ways to make it in this world and so many different ways, to like learn those lessons. And to, I mean, life is fucking long, man. <laughs> life is long. You don't have to have it figured out by the time you're like 18 or 19. Right. And it's almost impossible too. the,
1: the only thing that, you know, in retrospect that I could like recommend the, the thing that I'm going to recommend to my kids is what do you like and find a mentor? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my oldest right now, he's like, I kind of want to be a vet. It's like, okay, we'll go deeper on that so that you don't end up with a college degree as a vet yeah. with a ton of, of student debt Yeah. and you're just sticking needles in cats all day. Yeah. When what you really meant was, I like going to the zoo. I want to help do surgery on rhinos. Right. You know, like something a little more specific.
0: Or maybe you want to fucking go to like Africa and help like the wildlife population mm-hmm. there. Or maybe you want, like, you know, like there's a million different things that you could possibly want to do with animals. Yeah. But for some reason, there's just this one narrative. Oh, go be a vet. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Gary B says, you know, when you're young and you don't have kids and you don't have a ton of,
1: Financial responsibilities. Just taste everything oh, man. until you like what you until you like something, and then set a plan or a goal and reverse engineer it.
2: Yeah,
0: that's like the key to life, dude. That's so much money right there, dude. That one piece of advice that's so huge, Ugh, man. I wish I would have heard that shit. The inter- right? The internet has. Change some shit, man. Like, I mean, I had some, like, we had the internet whenever I was, like, in high school, but it was like we are on MySpace and, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I'm on, like, that piff, like, looking up, like, un- like, mixtapes and shit, like that. I wish I would have been smarter, hindsight's always 2020 to, like, really go out and seek some of these different people. But at that time, man, there weren't the Gary V's and Andy right. Fusellas and, like, they just weren't there, like, on the internet for you to go find and to, 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 like, lead you. You know what I mean? Yep. So instead, you go to your guidance counselor and you go to <laughs> and you go do this other thing. Um, but dude, there's just so many different ways to make it. Um, so you've been through several changes as far as like your career. You know what I mean? Like, I want to start kind of. Uh, you were in sales first. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I've done a lot of sales. I was 17 um, going into.
1: Uh, s- junior senior year of high school um i went from private school to public school so uh, my first two years of high school was private school and then when i went to public school they're like yeah you already have enough credits to graduate so what do you want to do and i was like well i'm not doing the college thing so the the other option was to do this thing called co-op so senior year you could uh, go to school half a day with the focus being on like business classes Mm -hmm. and then second half a day you get to credit work. to go to work. Yeah. And I was like, cool, I'm doing that. that. Yeah. I'm gonna I wanna make money. And uh so that quickly went into like telemarketing jobs. <laughs> I sold pizza coupon booklets door to door. I sold knockoff uh cologne door to door. Dude, that door to door sales life is
0: hard.
1: It's hard and I fell into like a pyramid scheme type company, but it was it was honestly the best thing that ever happened to me. It's a good learning lesson. Like get with within days I was in a group of 30-year-old men in a carpool driving out to subdivisions, knocking on doors. I was 17 years old. I had the chin strap, so I didn't look it. (laughs) But I was 17 years old knocking on people's front doors trying to sell them knockoff cologne. That's funny. And getting into that habit of, you know, this guy does it really well, so I'm going to learn how he does that and then do it myself, Mm -hmm. I got really good at it. I was uh, was selling pizza coupons, (laughs) right? And uh, it just escalated from there. Yeah.
0: It, it just eliminates that fear there. of talking to people, which is it's, really important. It's huge. And that's,
1: that's yeah. like the number one thing. Like today's creatives, guys, that, freelancers that work with me, they're amazing at creating this cool thing, but they can't hold a conversation with a client or sell a client to save their life mm. because they've never had to. Yeah. You know, it's never been do or die.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't matter how good your work is if people don't like you. Yep, I mean it's just a fact of life. Like you can be the most competent at whatever it is you're doing, but if people don't like you, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, that's huge, and vice versa. People who are extremely likable, but maybe not as good, like they, they get a ton of business. Mm-hmm.
1: It was like the biggest. Uh, I don't want to call it hustle in in the wedding industry, but I learned as a photographer and videographer, if you focus on the relationship, and in the planning, and also the day of the wedding. By the time you get done with the wedding day, if your client feels like they have a friend in you, it doesn't matter what the product looks like. They're going to like it. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. That, I mean, by default, it was just, always a good product. That's just
0: good business, though. Right. Building relationships. Right. Creating connections. Because if you go into
1: that day and you've never spoke to them before or you're not outgoing, you're just the creepy guy in the corner of the hotel room while the girls are getting their hair yeah, done. Yeah,
0: taking pictures. You know? Like, yeah.
1: And then you give them this amazing product and all they remember is that you were a creepy guy. Yeah. So you know, yeah, it, it just doesn't work. So if you if you come out of your shell and you build that rapport and you become a friend for the day, it's almost like the photos are secondary.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, you know people always remember you know how you make them feel, not what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent accurate. I mean, I've done some door-to-door sales. I didn't really appreciate it in high school. Um, we used to do a lot of fundraising for sports, whether it was football or wrestling. And oftentimes, we'd have to go fucking, like, door to door, just pick a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I always try to pick the wealthy ones. I'm knocking on doors. Do you guys want to buy this, like, saver card? <laughs> like, you go to, like, 10 businesses and save mm-hmm. some... Did that for a number of years, right? So that, and then um, actually sold cable door to door, like when I was living in Texas. That wasn't fun. It was hot as hell. It was the middle of summer, knocking on doors, <laughs> selling fucking cable and internet <laughs> and shit. Oh god! And there's more AT and T down there than there was. To, well, I guess it was Time Warner's where I worked for, but those are like the two big ones. So that'd be like Charter here. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, this sucks. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody.
1: But I, I feel like it's it should almost be required. Yeah. Like to to be successful what do you need? You need good communication skills, you need to be able to sell cuz cash flow is king. Yeah. Right? And public speaking is is a really you know talking to a group is a great thing
0: yeah and getting over the unknown dude it's nerve wracking knocking on a door and you don't know who's going to answer like you don't know who's on the other side Mm -hmm. you don't know what kind of mood they're going to be in yep shit (laughs) is nerve (laughs) wracking bro um but it is it's it's definitely a good lesson like i mean you learn to get like thick skin you hear no a lot and just, just figure it the fuck out man sales jobs are definitely good dealing with public i feel like especially when you're young it's a good skill set to have. I've had so many jobs. It's ridiculous. So many sales. I've sold fucking shoes. I've sold jewelry. <laughs> I've been a debt collector, bro. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm in the same boat.
1: Before, before 23, 23 is when I started my first business. Mm-hmm. But from 17 to 23, I must have had like a dozen like real jobs. Yeah. You know, I I was... 19 working in the collections department at MCI WorldCom, (laughs) like calling people and collecting credit card numbers on past due phone bills. Yeah, it sucks. It was crazy. And just to think that like who I was at that time, being in that type of responsible position, Mm -hmm. holy shit,
0: who let me do that? People are trusting you with some pretty uh, sensitive information. Yeah,
1: and once I got comfortable, I would call people and I would have like a country accent. Mm-hmm. or like an Indian accent and, oh, I, for and I, would. I would hold it through the entire conversation. Oh, you're better I would, than me. I was getting credit card numbers as an Indian guy. Wow. At, at 18, <laughs> 19 years old. <laughs> you're silly, bro. You didn't get in trouble for that? No. I mean, I, re- I do vaguely remember like clearing it with my manager and he was like, if you make it authentic and they believe you, there's not an issue. Just know that our calls are being recorded. Right. So if for whatever reason you get called out on it, and, you know, they complain, it's probably going to be a problem. Yeah. But I was so, you know, I was so in that, you know, I'm my own boss. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> like, I knew that I could hold it. I yeah. could, I could carry that. it through. You, yeah. yeah,
0: you had that confidence. You're a confident dude. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. You have to be. You have to be. Dude, confidence is key, man. I say mm-hmm. that all the time. Like, you don't have to know what the fuck you're doing, but you got to have confidence. Well, it helps to know what you're doing, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially when you come from nothing, if, if you have – the desire to be successful and also the the integrity to say, okay, if I make a promise, it literally is going to be whatever it takes to deliver. Yeah. That's the other part of it. With that, the whole fake it till you make it is okay, and yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I feel like, it's like what's your intention behind
0: faking it, if you will? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. So you know I I could meet you for the first time and say my name was Frank and as long as I held to that you you would think my name was frank
0: right Right, that's so true i have this weird thing because i always want to uh i was like man i'm just gonna start working on accents and then i'm just gonna go go be talking with a different accent to somebody but then i feel like they fucking know (laughs) i'm like they know they know (laughs) so then in my head i'm like i can't do it (laughs) yeah i mean that was that that was
1: everything you know when i was 17 18 uh i was 17 years old may of 2000 i went into a job interview to be a wedding DJ mm-hmm. and the requirement was you had to be 18 to work there but I was like I want to do this so I went in I wore a tux I had the chin strap you know I I, I was mm. I was adult yeah. with with my 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 vernacular yeah and I went through the entire interview and then finally at the very end he had just so happened to be flipping through my resume and he's like or, or my uh my application and he goes wait a second how old are you I was like, I'm 17. I'm a month away from eight- graduation, a month mm. away from being 18. He's like, I'm not supposed to be able to hire you yet, but I have to. Yeah. And so, so I got hired as a wedding DJ. I was doing senior proms and lock-ins as a DJ before my own senior prom in line.
0: Oh, that's dope. That's dope. And,
1: like, you know, unless I told them I was 17, they probably would have thought I was 23,
0: 24.
1: Yeah, because you just carried yourself mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. So that like that was the whole like fake it till you make it. Yeah. But with integrity.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Like you can't you can't be like disingenuous, but it's like it's living with intention mm-hmm. and intent and it's like it's that whole law of attraction, you know what I mean? Um especially in business, right? Like we have these these plans and like these high aspirations. If you're doing it right, I mean, right, you should have some crazy fucking goals that sound crazy to other people right but you know you have to think about it and speak about it as if it's already there Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like even though it's not there yet and you're not quite there um if you don't truly believe it and if you don't act accordingly um then it it really won't happen so it's like you kind of have to do that you know what i mean like
1: i'm all about it and i even take it way further like, you know, you know, it's like, uh, if you want a new car, make, make room in your garage. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Create the space for it.
1: There's, there's that joke. You can't win the lottery unless you buy a ticket. Yeah. Right. That's so true. So, I mean, I've been there, there were times where I was like, I need this much money in the next 30 days to handle this and this and this and this and this. And I would actually like have cut out pieces of paper and I would have like my headphones on whatever. And I'm like. Got my eyes closed and I'm shuffling through this paper, like feeling how how good it would feel to have this cash in my hand. Yeah,
0: that's complete visualization, right? Yeah, I mean, and 30
1: days later, I made that 10 grand. That's dope. Yeah. The smell and from the that taste. moment on, I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna sit in my recliner and I'm gonna pretend that I'm driving the Bentley because it works." Yeah. You yeah. can't you can't just want it to happen though. Like you have to have that, and then you have to put something into action. Right. To get there
0: yeah that's the second half of like the mm-hmm. law of attraction that people like to neglect right <laughs> i mean it's cool to visualize that's super important but you have to go put in the work yeah
1: god. and that comes back to the joke like the you know the guy prays to god every day for a month to win the lottery and finally after 30 days god shows up and says if you want to win the lottery you got to buy a fucking ticket yeah <laughs> so you can't just want it to happen you have to take action
0: yeah yeah that makes me think of like the meme where it's like a big ass like truck it's empty and it's like um truck full of prayers like Mm -hmm. arriving at i don't know fill in the like the catastrophe Mm -hmm. site it's like yeah i mean what does it actually yeah your thoughts can only do so much like you had to put in something work like some of the work go do something yeah yeah dude so you got into djing what uh what was uh what was uh what was like your music taste like back then or what is your music taste like uh well now it's way different than it was then yeah so let's go back to um, then and we'll talk about now
1: so high school you know i was uh one of probably 15 white kids in my graduating <laughs> class of 250 <laughs> so you know i'm i'm uh traditionally a white kid from the hood okay so so, you're hip. so growing up it was everything from uh Limp Biscuit to Bone Thugs and Harmony to Insane Clown Posse to Nirvana.
0: Okay. I it like was, all those. It was all of that. Maybe less ICP. Back, <laughs> back in the day, though, I liked them. Back what in the is day, I, love? <laughs> I, was, I was hardcore
1: painting my face uh, at yeah? school and. You were a Juggalo? I was 100% <laughs> a Juggalo. Yeah. yeah, very much so. That's all right. And bro. I don't regret it. I don't, the r- I don't regret it. You had the Jinkos? Yeah. Oh, I had the, dude, I had some the black yeah. corduroy
0: Jinkos. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Bigger than your fucking shoe. Mm-hmm. You step on them, tear them up. Because they look better when they're torn up at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> My mom used to be so pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> it's authentic. Because you bought them for like 80 bucks, right? Dude, they're expensive, bro. <laughs> Go to JCPenney's and get those.
1: <laughs> but now I would say it's... Uh, there's nothing that I really don't like, but I use it almost like therapy. Yeah. So it depends on the mood, the time of the day, the location. Yeah, you know, it could be anything across the spectrum. You know, yeah, I my like... go-to is kind of like any anything where the artist has the last name Marley. Okay, I like to say that. You know, it could be Bob, that. it could be Steve, be Ziggy. Uh, Ziggy. I shot Ziggy, Ziggy in concert. I like, I love Damien. Okay, you know, but um, three eleven. If I had to name mm-hmm. one band, that'd probably be my all-time favorite. What's your band for many reasons. Uh, I I feel like it's the Nirvana of my generation, but it's also because I've I've photographed them in concert okay. several times
0: over. So you're like a special connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's cool. That was yeah. one of those like first milestones of like, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna yeah. get somewhere. It's
0: like that was like the real like validations. Like, mm-hmm. All right, man, like I'm doing this.
1: Well, it went from childhood band that I liked to. Now I'm getting paid to photograph them in concert and no one has a closer seat than I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm this close to the lead singer and when he has everybody put his lighters up, I turn around and there's just a sea of lighters behind me and it's like, I have the best seat in the house and they're paying me to be here yeah it doesn't get any better than that I'm gonna take that and scale it
0: (laughs) dude yeah it's so weird when you start getting around those um like those people that at one point like I don't know if let's just say like there are like different tiers of success like when they're like just on like this different tier and then all of a sudden like you're around those same people just like in a very like casual way or like in a business way it's like how the fuck did I get here? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you are just a human, just like me. It's like, it's just, it's a very surreal feeling. Yeah. Um, we were in Austin, and I went to a um, like a it was for this Paleo FX conference, this health conference, and then there was um, like this after party after it uh, thrown by the caveman Coffee Crew. So like, so like we're there, and there's like Tate Fletcher there, and like Ben Greenfield's there, and um, Drew Bledsoe, not Drew Bledsoe, Mike Bledsoe, like just some health guys, and I'm just like, how the fuck did I get here? (laughs) I'm like, what is the like, what's going on in this world? Like, is it was just like the most surreal feel. I couldn't even believe it was life. Like, is this real life right now? Like, Tate Fletcher's right there, Ben Greenfield's right there. Like, what in the fuck is happening? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe this. Like, a year ago. I, I I was just like a fan of Ben Greenfield and like now I'm here like kicking it with you at a party. Like this is kinda crazy. Yeah. Life I, is just weird.
1: I've had a lot of that. Um the big push I guess was uh uh early early twenty sixteen. Um I found my business mentor on Periscope, Sean Thomas, Ask a Millionaire. Uh he sold a he sold his company for twenty million and started doing like philanthropy where he would just go on live streams and like mentor people. Mm-hmm. And so I found him. I picked him up. He was definitely my breed. So I was like, this is my dude. Yeah. Uh, This is my next mentor. I want to be where he's at. And uh, towards the end of 2016, he hit me up as the video expert that he knew. And he was like, hey, I'm done with philanthropy. This is It's exploding. I want to turn it into a business. Mm -hmm. You're the guy I know. Here's a couple resumes of guys in Nashville uh, that I want you to vet them and tell me who I should hire. And at that particular time, I was already kind of training somebody to be like manager so I can step back as, as the owner. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to sell him my company and I'm coming to Nashville and I'm your dude. I'm going to work right alongside you. And I need that day to day. Yeah. Training. Mentorship. And so that's what I did. Instead of 30 days, I was gone from St. Louis and I was in Nashville, just jumping in the deep end. All in. And, uh, I was there for just, just over a year before I moved back to St. Louis. But yeah, I was, you know, Going out to dinner and hanging out with everyone else in the room but me as millionaires, you know? Yeah. It's weird feeling. But it got to the point where, it like, it, it didn't bother me. And unless I would have said something, no one else would have known that I wasn't also a millionaire. Yeah. And because of my mentor, Sean, and his mentor, Tom, who I also pulled on as a sales mentor, unless they told you, you would have never known that they were millionaires. Yeah. Because they're know? so down to earth. They're so down to earth. Like, unless he pulls up in his Bentley, you would never know. Yeah. Um, the, the, the very, uh, this pinnacle moment was I moved down there and I'm like, yeah, I'm rocking with millionaires. It's private jets and champagne. Right. And the first flight that we get on to go somewhere, we're sitting in coach and he pulls a PBJ in a little sandwich bag out of his backpack. And instantly I was like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. The, this is, like,
0: this is why you, this are where is you are. why. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so that for me was huge Yeah. to kind of like, okay, reset. Stay, stay humble, you know, don't, uh, don't be broke, but don't be poor, but live broke. Right. There's a difference between poor huge and broke. Huge
0: difference, right? Like poor is a mindset. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like you can yeah. be broke and not have money, but when you're poor, like that's a totally different mindset that you, like you live in that space and like you can never get out of it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Big yeah, difference. So running in those circles and always being around guys that had money and success on a daily basis was huge for me yeah and then when i brought that back to st louis i just i I started going hard with it yeah and and regardless of how much i've scaled since then in the last year and a half or how different the revenue streams might be yeah it's you know i'm i'm gonna eat ice cube soup until i know that i never have to again
0: yeah it's only temporary dude yeah that's what i think about because like i I, uh I think about like what car i want to buy like, i want to buy like a sick ass like i've never been a car guy but like i really would like to buy like a fucking expensive like mm-hmm. maybe this sounds super hippie of me but like a souped up fucking tesla dude like with like no regulators on it like the fucking insane mode or ludicrous motor mm-hmm. shit whatever's on and then that shit can just drive me and i can do work while it's driving me and it's a sick ass car and i'm like not like not hurting the environment um but uh, I don't know what the fuck my point was, dude. I had a point <laughs> with that. I fucking lost it. I, what did you just say? Ugh, you were talking about mentors. Uh, Something that uh, that
1: Sean does that I like is kind of the the. Oh,
2: I know what I was gonna The say. win-win
1: situations. Yeah. So like you know he's he's got the he's got the cars he's got the Range Rover, Maserati, Bentley, but like he'll he'll bring people into his circle. Yeah. So, you know, somebody that is good at like an administrative assistant type stuff but doesn't really have a a specific skill set, you know, he'll he'll bring them in and and they're doing specific tasks, but that also includes like driving driving him. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like, you know, fancy, oh, I have a driver. It's, yeah. you know, I'm just going to sit in the passenger seat while this person can be on the clock and earning more money. Yeah, it's helping them. The money that I'm paying them is way worth it because I can now sit in the passenger seat and make what I'm worth, yeah, by doing what I do on my phone. Because time's
0: more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I know what my point was with that. I'm driving this shitty Mazda now. I look at it. I'm like, oh, it's not the nicest car, but it's serving a fucking purpose. Mm-hmm. It gets me to point A point B. And I know when, like, whenever I do fucking make it, I'm, I'm like, I'm probably gonna miss that car. And mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yep. I'm like, that's the fucking shit. Like, that was the good. Those were the good times. I try to keep in mind that this is the good times. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it sucks in the moment, but it's like. That zero to that first million is, like, the hardest part, but, like, that's where all the best lessons are learned, right? So I try to keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, dude.
1: That way you can look back on it (laughs) instead of, oh, I don't know what happened.
0: (laughs) My horse blinders were too big. Yeah, yeah. So you're involved in the sub-five tournament coming up. Yeah, so uh, Eric Clarkson,
1: uh, owner and head coach of River City Warriors. It's you and him, right, putting this on? Uh, And also Danny Axe. Uh, oh, Wildridge, okay. he's know. the, he's the head, uh, kickboxing coach at river city. Okay. So I hooked up with Eric. I was actually referred to him back in like 2016 when I decided to come back to the world of MMA mm-hmm. for training. Um, and so that's, that's, that's when I was introduced to Eric. Um, uh, but yeah, recently, uh, he decided to take his, um, promotion, which was uh, proving grounds.
2: Oh.
0: Proving Grounds Combat Sports Association. Okay.
1: They've they've done a bunch of different types of. Are they
0: still going to be doing MMA? Or are they just, are they going to stop doing the, the proving grounds and just go straight into the sub five? So there's a focus
1: on sub five, um, to to kind of blow that up. Okay. But yeah, it's it's not taking focus away from anything else. You know, oh, okay. next year I'm sure there's gonna be a this tournament and a, that tournament, a kickboxing and Muay Thai maybe. Mm-hmm. But the sub five is is the focus right now.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of so, quintet style, right? Mm-hmm. Five on five duel.
1: Yeah, Eric hit me up. He w- he wanted to bring me in as like the production slash marketing guy. Uh so I'm partner in, in the uh, in the promotion. Okay. Um but yeah, sub five it's basically if you take the flashiness of like a fight to win mm-hmm. or um I hate to say WWE, but you, you're, That's the you're, business model you're taking that... professional grappling, not just jiu-jitsu, but all professional grappling, and you're making it a
0: spectator sport. Are going to do combat grappling? Um, It's combat jujitsu. Black
1: belt rules. There's some...
0: Uh, well, not for this, but like in the future with like open palm strikes. Oh, f- like for me personally, I definitely want to see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to do it, but <laughs> I know some <laughs> people like combat jujitsu.
1: Yeah. I I've seen it and I I think that's that's definitely next level. Yeah. Next level stuff, I don't to like you hit anymore. It's not <laughs> fucking fun. <laughs> the sub five stuff is is very exciting though because there's a lot of elements involved that you just have never seen before, especially regionally or locally. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of what I can give away and what I can't. That's all right. So, uh taiko drums like the big Japanese drums. Mm-hmm. There's a, a St. Louis St. Louis Osua Taiko Drum Orchestra. They play at like Missouri Botanical Gardens and the Japanese Garden a Mm -hmm. bunch. Um, So we've actually partnered with them. That would be cool. So for everything as far as like the promo score music to live performance at the event oh, shit. we're going to have the full drum ensemble so, so instead of like a, full a on DJ playing some bullshit music when the fighters come in it's going to be like war drums yeah oh that's going to be cool it's, it's like we've, we've been to a couple practices to pick the music for different things yeah. and it's like you can't help but just get pumped and want to hit something oh that's going to be cool dude <laughs>
0: oh this is going to be a fun event yeah I'm excited yeah it's
1: going to be crazy we've got um, Stuart Fulton being a, a live stream commentator. I don't know who that is. He's he's from uh, Quintet. Uh, I think also Pancrace, Pank is okay. it? Um, I might an, know his voice. He's an Australian guy. Super awesome dude. He knows his shit. Yeah. So he's going to be the, the live stream commentator. Uh, we're doing live stream on Fight TV. Okay. Um, we were thinking about flow grappling, but we're going to take a different approach because there's not a lot of grappling on Fight TV. So yeah. So we want to kind of stand out a little bit.
0: No, Shamrock just switched over to Fight TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is fine. It's not.
1: You know, I I think it's an awesome thing, and I think uh, Fight TV's really up in their game.
0: I had never heard of them until that.
1: Yeah, they're they're. I hate to call them a sleeping giant, but you know they, they for everybody be. that knows UFC Fight Pass and Flow Grappling, I mean Fight TV's got like one and a half million subscribers. Oh wow! you know like huge. Their, their social is on lock, and they just yeah. they just hired like a, a whole. Uh, team for like social media yeah. and marketing specifically. Oh, so that's gonna be yeah, cool. Yeah, we're
0: we're excited about that. What's that company that owns? Um, I don't know if they own Viacom, but I know I think Bellator streams through them. Uh, what's that network that they're on now? Do you know? Mm-mm. I don't know either. I can't think of the name. But it's like one of the largest like fucking networks like in the world, kind of like outside of the U.S. So like, my mm-hmm. point to I can't remember the name, but my point with that was like with Fi T V, there're a lot of these like big um channels that just aren't as well known like in the US. Right. But they're fucking huge everywhere else. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we uh This is coming up in September, right? September
1: twenty first is the first event, ignition. I should know I'm on it. Yeah, <laughs> you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't wait. Like it's the, the teams are such heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, we're also trying to do like, a, um, like a super fight, I guess you would call it. Um, Eric's in charge of all the teams. So, you know, I'm, I'm not that deep in the grappling and jujitsu world to be able to name drop. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) I got it. But, uh, there's some pretty big names. Yeah.
0: Well, you got your responsibilities, which is a handful. I'm Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, promo and a brand new event. I mean, mean,
1: just, just from the staffing for video and photo and the live streaming, I've got third. 13 people on staff for that event. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we're doing instant replay, four to six camera, multi-cam switching. It's, oh, yeah? It's high production. Oh, nice. High production.
0: That'd be good. That'd be good. I got to uh, compete in one of the uh, Onnit invitationals, it And, uh, like, that production, I was surprised. Like, it's a pretty decent production, but it wasn't that big. Hmm. Like, there weren't that many, because they, they did it live as well, and then they stream it out. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, it wasn't, like, it's not a very big, at least whenever I went, it wasn't a very big grappling room. I think they had, um, like, two rows of, like, small bleachers, like, three or four row, like, little bleacher seatings on each side with, like, I think a row of chairs. And then on this side of the mat was, like, one or two rows of chairs. And then they had, like, the commentator booth. Wow. So, like, it wasn't a very big event, but they had, like, you know, like, the little metal... They're not rafters, but like the little metal setup for like the lights and shit. Trust. Yeah. They had all that set up. So, like w- the crossbars and the cube. Like e- a long. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. They didn't have that set up over the, the, uh, the mat, but they had that same material like set up around like the uh the announcer's booth like so if i'm in the booth like on both sides and then they're one is that still the same thing Mm -hmm. is it still called that yeah trust system yeah so they still but they had that part so it still looked nice and they had lights up there going down so it was like man this is just you can just do so much with so little Mm -hmm. and it's um taking part in that event and then visiting on it a few times like i just realized with the right production, like you can create this larger than life image in people's minds, mm-hmm. and I mean that's where it's at.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I took the model from you know what we used to do with weddings. Yeah. So uh, for a few years, I I helped run the biggest wedding production company in St. Louis, and the transition was instead of you know dropping a bunch of money in on like the Hyatt Regency downtown, yeah, go get the VFW hall. And then dump a bunch of money into pipe and drape and up lighting. Like take a empty shell and transform it into whatever you want and right. you have more control over making it look awesome. Yeah. It's the same way. Like we could have went Family Arena or Shafitz, but instead we're going Spend ten thousand dollars a day. We're going North County Recplex <clears throat> and we're literally building it out yeah. with lights camera action. You know, we're draping off the windows. We've yeah. got a projector screen with a huge black wall and yeah. the, and the, and the mat and the the truss, you know, we've got Iron Man Sound coming in.
0: Yeah, well you're creating an experience mm-hmm. which is huge. I mean you mentioned WWE and that's that's a perfect business model because I mean Dana White modeled the UFC after that. Mm-hmm. Dana White and the Fertitas. They use that business model to help them with the UFC because nobody does entertainment better than fucking professional wrestling. Right. Like right. the proof is in the numbers and they're they've been around for how long? Still yeah, because it? it's it's entertaining. It's a spectator sport. Yeah.
1: You know, like everybody complained when when uh, jiu-jitsu became big in UFC, like, oh, they're just laying on the ground for 15 minutes. It's not fun to watch. Um, but the, the whole quintet fight to win um, aspect of it, you know, when guys are like, okay, well, if I don't submit my opponent, I get eliminated too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if I submit him quick – I'm going to have enough gas to go up against the guy that's on his team that's coming up right
0: after. It. Yeah. So hold up. So that wasn't inc- – because I don't follow this shit enough. So if, if nobody gets a submission, both people are eliminated? Yes. Are they doing so,
1: that for sub five? Yes. That's
2: good to fucking know, man. Yes. That's good to know.
1: There's no
0: – So you have to get a
1: submission. There's no faults. Um and then it's uh
0: EBI overtime right. rules. And if you, if nobody wins in overtime, then both people are mm-hmm. out. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. That's so good it's, to know. It's ten minute rounds. Yeah.
1: Um <clears throat> it, it might it might be a shorter round if like the weight is a certain difference. Yeah. So it's it's weight by team, not weight by right competitor.
0: Yeah. Do you know what the cap is?
2: Uh,
1: like nine, nine something, something, something? Yeah, maybe?
2: okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's
1: tapping into Eric's realm of. Yeah. No, it's totally fine. I was hoping you
0: had these details because I don't have them. (laughs) But no, I I
1: like it because it it kind of forces guys to get aggressive and engage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea of, you know, submission only. Because there's no judges. Right. There's no Mm -hmm. judges. There's no points. There's no advantages. Um, You just fucking go after the other person and get submission.
1: And do it quick because technically, if you don't want to get eliminated, you got four more of his teammates to run through.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Damn dude. Well, that's gonna be a hell of an event, man. Um I'm looking forward to it. Let's wrap this up because I got something to do and I want to be respectful of your time as well. Um what Oh wow, we've been here for a minute. Yeah, we've been going for a little bit. Um Uh what uh what was I gonna say? Oh, I'm gonna turn it over to you. anything that you wanna we've kinda talked a little bit, but anything like you wanna plug promo, um Tell people how then get a hold of you, ask questions, say hi, whatever. Um, floor's yours, my man.
1: Yeah, I think uh the biggest exciting thing right now is the sub five tournament. You know, anybody that's gonna be watching this podcast is probably gonna be most interested in that. <laughs> uh September twenty first, sub five, it's at the North County Recplex. Um just look up Sub Five on on Facebook or Instagram, tickets are already being sold. Mm-hmm. Uh you're in it, so obviously it's gonna be good.
0: Yeah, I'll put in the show notes. And then your socials?
1: Uh so the business is Convergence Media Group. Um anywhere on social is at Convergence M G. Okay. Um
0: I G, Twitter, Facebook.
1: Uh Facebook and Instagram. Okay. I don't I don't really do the Twitter thing, it's still too much of a fire hose right now. <laughs> uh but yeah, Instagram and, and Facebook. Uh website ConvergenceMG.com. Okay. Um that's pretty much it. I mean I'm you know, I'm I'm not uh I'm not trying to plug for too much business. It's all good, dude. Uh, but you know, obviously, if, if somebody out there has a, a brand or a business and they're looking to scale or increase their leads or revenue um, through marketing or media
0: production, that's that's what I do. So hit up Rick Dilly. Yeah. What the Dilly, yo? <laughs> How many times have you heard that? Forever. <laughs> 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 all right, my man. Hey, dude. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Till next time. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I know I did. If you are getting value out of the podcast, do me a solid. Just tell a friend. Tell one friend. Help us spread this thing. Be like, hey, man, you know what? You like podcasts? You think you might like podcasts? Go check out this guy, Adam Meredith. He has a show called Outside Perspective. He's sitting out with some pretty cool people. Go check him out. Do that for me. Can you guys do that for me? would be much appreciated. I'd be much obliged. Uh, So tell a friend, leave a rating, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review there. That's one of the most important platforms. But you can also go over to YouTube if you like to look at these things visually. We have videos as well. Go over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Check us out. Um, You can just look me up, Adam Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, and you will find me on Podcast. Subscribe to my channel. So. Much, much obliged. Thank you very, very much. Ah. This episode is also brought to you by my company, Imposed Will. What is it that you want in life? What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? You have the capability and the power to do it. You just need to set a standard for your life. You need to make a decision, and you have to commit. And one of the easiest ways to do that is... By speaking positively to yourself, words can be so so powerful. There can be affirmation. Our self-talk is important. the The words that we speak when we uh, the words that we use when we speak to other people is important. So many people speak softly and they use half-assed terms, and there's no confidence or conviction in their word, in their tone, or their belief. Well, I tell you what, you need to believe in yourself, and one of the strongest phrases known to man is I will. Not I might, not I'll try. I will. You make a decision and you fucking do it. You may fail along the way, but you keep pushing forward. And that's what we're all about here in Imposed Will. Mental strength, achieving the life that you want to achieve through difficult challenges and healthy habits, we can all reach that level of success that we're trying to reach and we can build the life that we want to have so go over to imposedrule.com, check us out we have a full line of apparel also sign up for the mailing list and stay in the know and what's going on and uh yeah man just join the community and help us grow this thing that's all i have for you guys today i hope you enjoyed the episode i will catch you next time with another amazing guest
2: i will see y'all later love you bye Mwah.